0: Hey, it's Zach. The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. While the NBA playoffs have now sadly ended, the Major League Baseball playoffs are down to the Final Four. The Rays, Astros, Braves, and Dodgers. I guess the Rays are not the Devil Rays anymore, just the Rays. Check out Baseball Tonight with Buster only one of the absolute legends of this business, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to... The low post podcast where the season is over, everyone wants to rush into the offseason. Who are the Warriors going to take at number two? Are they going to trade? No, no. The whole goal of the NBA is to win the championship. That's what all of this is for. So I like to revel a little bit in the season and the accomplishments of people who have worked their whole lives for this moment. And in continuing a tradition that I have somehow shoehorned people into participating in, we have as our guest today, I'm thrilled and honored to have him. The head coach of the 17-time world champion Los Angeles Lakers, Frank Vogel. How are you? I'm pretty good right now, Zach. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm home. I never had to go to the bubble. You're Did did, you, did your family like remember all of your bad habits around the house that annoy them? Like, Are you getting readjusted to home life?
1: That's completely showing up on an hourly basis. Um, yes, being back uh, living with roommates again. Yeah, that's how my daughter put it to me last night. It's like, Yeah, you didn't have a roommate for three months. Now you have roommates again.
0: <laughs> I, I should have introduced you this way. Um, Rajan Rondo got a lot of publicity for being the second player ever to win a championship as both the Celtic and the Lakers. You too, Frank Vogel, are a former Boston Celtic. Have you gotten any good natured ripping from, from the ball? I guess the, probably all of your colleagues from there are gone by this point, obviously. But I mean, you, you deserve that you were part of the same club. Although you didn't win a title, but you, you're a former Celtic, current Laker. You're a trader.
1: <laughs> Correct. I, uh, I did spend seven years with the Boston Celtics, and um, I do still have a lot of friends there, uh, mostly in the front office and whatnot. Um, and, of course, you know, I'm, I'm really close. Brad Stevens is probably the, the closest head coach uh, that I'm, I am to uh, any, any other head coach in the league. So um, we've exchanged some text messages as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, but I'm happy for Rondo. You know, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously he's, uh, he's had a a great strong start to his career and bouncing around a little bit the last few years. And, um, you know, I know this was important to him, uh, you know, to sort of put that, that stamp on his career, you know, to be the one of the, the the one guy, you know, I think the, the the guy that did it with the Minneapolis Lakers only half counts,
0: right? (laughs) Ooh, careful coach. Careful. (laughs) You're gonna totally. you're gonna talk yourself right out of uh, like two and a half championships in Lakers franchise history. Um, <laughs> did you take Did you take like Do you have a journal from this season? Because you have a a book sitting there to be written. Did you take any notes? Did you like jot things down? You know, I really didn't, and I all all along the way,
1: I've obviously felt like I should be doing that, and um, had people telling me I should be doing that, and uh, you know, even before knowing what this this year was gonna. Going to look like, um, but I didn't. You know, I, I really, to me, all of my focus was on this job. You know what I mean? And and everything that comes after that will come after that. Um, I just felt like I didn't want anything uh, pulling away from it. Anyway, I got a good memory. Anyway,
0: there you go. Um, so so let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, you are introduced as the head coach of the Lakers, and we'll get into your background a little bit later. But this is. This is a a, a crowning moment of your professional life. You get to sit. It's only a press conference. I get it. But you're the subject of it. The logo of the most tied, most story franchise in the NBA is behind you. And you know going into that press conference that you are about to be asked or watch Rob Palinka be asked questions about what Magic Johnson just said on first take about backstabbing and this and that. And uh, you had to sit there and watch our Dave McMenamin ask a question that had to be asked of Rob Palenka about you not being the first choice. And so I wonder, did you guys huddle up before that and and say, here's how we're going to handle the magic questions? And did you, like I watched it yesterday, your facial expression, just calm. Just no, no reaction to any other questions. Just you know, sip some water. Did you? Did you just have to focus on like I'm going to let Rob handle this. I'm not gonna, not gonna roll my eyes. I'm not gonna like make a face. Did you? Were you just primed for that?
1: I yeah, I felt like that was really the only approach to have. Um, you know, I knew it was going to be directed at Rob, and for me, that was. You know, I felt bad. Everyone said they felt bad for me. I felt bad for Rob. <laughs> you know, to have that that attention and in in, in, in to press conference for the head coach. Um, but for me, it was just uh, you know, I, I was I was impressed with how Rob handled it. I thought he handled it with class and dignity. And um, you know, I just quietly waited my turn. And uh, when the questions came from me, I knew, hey, at the end of the day. I got about half
0: as many questions as I normally would have
1: gotten. So that was just fine with me.
0: <laughs> did you, and did you and Rob watch the magic interview together? Like where were you when that was happening?
1: Yeah, I was just uh, you know, either on the way to the office or preparing for, um, you know, for the press conference when it was brought to my attention that, that all of that stuff was said. So I didn't watch it. You know, it was just brought to my attention that that, that stuff was said and we just kind of huddle up and, and Rob was like, you know, I'm going to get all these questions. If you get asked, just, you know, say you're focused on, you know, your, your role here and don't really have anything else to say, you know, about that. And I didn't really have anything else to say about that, you know, other than, you know, what, uh, what I felt was the, the truth was that there was a, a massive perception that there was dysfunctionality within the Lakers organization. And, you know, from the time I'd gotten there, everybody seemed pretty well connected and like, you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction. So um, I did feel like it was a, it was, you know, drastically different on the outside than on the inside.
0: It's wild to watch that press conference again, because a, it's a really long time ago in like normal NBA season time, obviously. um, Longer than it would be normally. Uh, And you're sitting there talking about, how LeBron fits with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, but we have these young guys and someone asked you like, well, you know, LeBron and young guys, is that going to be a dynamic that really works? And you answered very well. So my question is that's in May, 2019, two months later, the Los Angeles Lakers trade, almost all of those guys for Anthony Davis. Did Anthony Davis's name come up in the job interview process?
1: It did not. You know, um, it was about, um, you know, coaching the young guys. You know, I you know, I think they, they said something along the lines of, you know, we're always going to try to improve our team, um, but we have uh, a lot of the young guys that we believe in, and you know, we have to we have to get healthy, and you know, we have to sort of bridge the gap between you know the bronze years in the league and his stature and and the young guys uh, coming together, and um, you know, that there's got to be a, a high level of accountability. You know, that was the, the big thing. But uh, there was no mention of Anthony Davis. Uh, obviously, you know there was a, a lot of rumors. There was a lot talked about leading into that publicly. So I know there was. I knew there was always a possibility of that. But you know, my approach was to come in and work with the young guys and LeBron. Uh,
0: what do you remember about the day you got Anthony Davis, which was in July, I think? Um, how did you learn about it? Uh, what was your reaction? Did you have a beer that night? Like, what what do you remember about it?
1: I don't remember. I probably had a beer that night.
0: <laughs> I don't remember for sure. Maybe um, it's in June. I think it was in June, actually.
1: Yeah, I just uh, obviously it was a great deal of excitement. Um, the the one thing that you know, I just remember there was a lot of back and forth about um, what the deal was actually going to look like and and would it actually get done? Were we giving up too much? Um, you know, all those types of things, and you know, there was a there was a, there was a a big feeling publicly, like we did give up too much, Uh, but internally um, we valued all the, all the pieces that we had, you know, all all three of the young players we had are really good players. Brandon Ingram goes and becomes an all-star this year. Um, So there was a, there was a little bit of how, you know, did we give up too much, but you know, you get Anthony Davis, like top five player in the world, you know, a, a potential MVP candidate every year. And, um, to me and to Rob and our whole organization, it's like you just do what you have to do to to get that guy, and um, just overwhelming excitement that we were able to get it done, and strong belief in, in what we could accomplish. It just now at that point turned turned our focus to what's the rest of the roster going to look like.
0: <laughs> I should have I should have rewatched the lottery when the Lakers move up from number eleven to number four, which is an underrated moment in the Anthony Davis pursuit. Were you, were you on yeah. the podium? I don't think you were, right? No. So you're I'm home yep what do you what what do you do you have any superstitions are you are you walk are you pacing while you watch it do you have any good luck charms what's your lottery routine
1: well uh i i don't really think i did anything other than just sit on the couch and watch teeth watch tv (laughs) watch it all play it out i wish i had a more interesting story but i was just watching it and my fingers crossed and um i think my daughters were really excited about you know um moving up to get Zion like, wow, we could coach Zion, And you know, if if we move up to number one, (laughs) Um, but I think it worked out just right. We got a, we got up to four and got a piece, um, you know, that was able to be included in a trade for Anthony Davis, which is uh, obviously worked out really well.
0: Did you let yourself daydream at all about Kawhi Leonard?
1: Of course, you know, we thought we had a strong chance of, of getting Kawhi, you know, so um, you know, there was a long stretch, um, uh, you know, leading up to that July 1st and into that first week where, you know, we, we felt like this could happen and what, what that team could look like. Um, you know, obviously we, <laughs> we were pretty good with, without him. So, I mean, if we would have had him, it would have been uh, pretty special. Um, but we did believe we had a chance to
0: so so you played the Clippers opening night you played him again on Christmas and then you played him again right before the season shut down if I recall so sort of three landmark games and moments obviously um I don't ask this question to do the did the Lakers have an easier path than expected to the title I don't care about that there's no such thing as an easy championship in the NBA I don't do it to disparage the Denver Nuggets who are awesome like nobody loves Nicole Jokic more than I do um Right. I do. I just want to know having lived in LA for the whole year. And I know it was talked about within both teams. Did part of you like really want the Staples center series? Like you're circling each other all year. You're pacing in and out of the same locker rooms, the star power, everyone in the media is anticipating it. Did part of you guys deep down, like, man, that would be a lot of fun to test ourselves like that.
1: Well, I think from a, you know, just a, a fan of sports, you, you definitely want to see that. Um, for me personally, honestly, I intentionally try not to to root for one team to win or lose or, or, uh, or root for an opponent, you know, that, that we get or a matchup, you know, I mean, whatever it is. And, and a lot of times, like you, you can know internally, hey, this matchup's easier than that matchup. But I, I just feel like you're messing with basketball karma. And messing with the basketball gods to hope for anything like that. So I really just step back and wait and see, and prepare, you know, for both teams if it's three-three or something like that. Um, but it certainly would have been fun for our city. I, I know that. I, like I get all that. And uh, it, but it, in Orlando, I don't know if it would have had the same.
0: Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been the same.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. But it, but to have that that type of series at Staples Center, oh. that would be remarkable.
0: Well, the whole media was fantasizing about it because it's like the only series you don't have to get on a plane. You get there yes. and you just stay stay in the same hotel for two weeks. <laughs> in, in L.A., that's not all bad. In L.A., yeah, to, for us to lose out on an L.A. Miami finals, it it ranks on. It's like the hundred and fifty nine thousandth bad like in, on the ranking list of bad things. It's like a very minor thing, but boy. <sighs> anyway, that's, a, that's um, a big miss. It's a big miss. um, that I, I have really admired about you this year is when you got the job, Monty Williams' name was hovering there. Ty Lue's name was hovering there. Jason Kidd's name was hovering there. And we know that, like, you know, there was stuff with Spo early on in LeBron's tenure there, what happened to David Blatt, all that. I think it would have been very easy for you to coach afraid, like, I don't know if I want to really go at LeBron about that rotation, because, you know, could if, if we're 0-2, like, I don't really want to have this film session, blah, blah, blah. And you took it the exact other way, which was, I've got nothing to lose. I'm coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not scared of any of this stuff. And I, I wonder if you could talk about... Was that an easy, is that just your mindset overall? Was that just, did you have to even think about that? Or is that just the way you're wired after your sort of unlikely rise up to this level? Because I, I do think a lot of coaches would have been coaching not to get fired or coaching a little bit scared and you did not.
1: Yeah. And I think it has to do with where people are in, in their lives and, and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, my, my family having moved around a lot and, and this being my third head coaching job, you know, I really just, uh. I wanted to go for it. You know what I mean? I wanted I wanted to just lay it all out there and, and be unafraid and, um, you know, really coach my way, you know, because a lot of times you, you get you get coaching jobs in the NBA and, you know, you want to bend, you know, to appease your front office. You're going to bend to appease your players. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't always get to coach your way for, for various reasons. You want the job security. You want to not have to move your family, all these types of things. And, um, you know, I, my family and I had been through a lot, so I was going to do it my way and, you know, live with the results, you know, and and if if that meant that it didn't work out and, you know, we could, you know, go back to either Indiana or Florida or or wherever we were going to be as a family. Um, you know, I could live with that, but, You know, but this is going to be a a situation where, you know, I didn't call a bunch of people asking what LeBron James was like, you know, what Anthony Davis was like, you know, I, I just, I said, you know what, I I know what I'm doing. Uh, I got a strong belief. I've really studied the game over the last few years and how it's transitioned from the mod to the modern NBA on both sides of the ball. And uh, I believed in my plan. So uh, I definitely wanted to, to have a go for it mindset, with this, uh, with this year's team, with this season,
0: uh, it's interesting. You mentioned that you didn't call because I, I was reading a previous interview you did early in the season when you, you said people had asked you, "Have you called Luke Walton? Have you called Eric Spolstra just to get some intel, some background? How did it work?" And you said, "Actually, no. I don't want to do that. I, I want to go in. I want to go in fresh." Is that, what, what, is that just? how did you make that decision? Cause I think that's very interesting. Most coaches would have gone like everyone wants information. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think uh, when, when a lot of that stuff isn't documented, you know, it's, it's, it's always beneficial. That it is to, if you don't have familiarity with a player call a college coach or something like that, I think that's always beneficial. Um, but LeBron in, in particular was such a iconic figure and, um, you know, the, the, the bumps in his road with some of his, his former coaches uh, were well documented. You know, to me, uh, diving into those, you know, was posed a risk of um, tainting my, my perception of the situation, of the relationship. I just wanted to start fresh with a, a blank canvas uh, with he and I, you know, obviously having competed against each other, but uh, beginning a re- relationship anew. And I didn't want to have any any anybody else, uh, you know, um, sway my perceptions of, of of how it was going to play out. So, uh, you know, I was happy I did that. And, you know, the season went really well for us.
0: <laughs> it's, I think it's it did. Um, I want to go back to the beginning of your career because I, I, I think people know that what has happened to you is improbable on some level, although you've earned it. It's it's your work that, that has done it. But I've read many accounts of your carving out a job for yourself at Kentucky under Rick Patino. Okay. So I've read many different accounts of this in the mid nineties. My favorite one goes like this. And I really hope this is basically how it is. <laughs> you send Rick Pitino a bunch of letters, basically like probably handwritten letters or typed. I don't know. Handwritten or typed. typed, typed. Yeah. Dear yeah. coach, like any job I, I want to, you're, you're playing division three at that point. Like I want to be a coach, any job, no one ever answers your letters. You get no reply. This is the account that I want to be true. Okay. So you let me just okay. speak it. And then you can tell me what's true. <laughs> and then. You then having gone all this time without getting a reply, go to some Nike camp or whatever camp where, you know, he's going to be and you like orchestrate. Oh, I'm like, Oh, Hey, whoa, coach Patino wild to bump into you. I'm the guy who wrote you a thousand letters that your secretary probably threw in the trash and Rick and, Jim O'Brien, I guess maybe is there too, sort of gives you a, a, Oh, Hey, um, yeah, guy Hey, Frank, nice to meet you. If you're ever in Kentucky, look us up. And you take that as a personal invitation to get in the car and move your entire life to Kentucky and be like, well, you told me if I was in town uh, to look you up, is that what happened? Really?
1: Pretty much. Um, I did, I did receive letters from the university of Kentucky from Rick Pitino, just a form letter. Thank you for interest. We don't have anything. Um, so I was getting letters back. Uh, I, I knew it wasn't him. It was probably secretary, but, um, I did go uh, to try to work five-star basketball camp with the uh, sole purpose of trying to meet Rick Pitino and get in front of him and, uh, and, and talk to him because I didn't think the letters were actually getting through to him. And, um, you know, obviously it's not hard to, uh, it's not, wasn't easy to work five-star. They don't just allow anybody. You have to be invited there as well. So I had to write some letters to get in there when I got there. Um, You know, the camp director, Howard Garfinkel, introduced me to to Coach Pizzino when he came to recruit, which I knew he would come to recruit, and was able to just uh, tell him what I was trying to do, that I had written letters to try to be equipment manager, walk on, whatever I could do, um, but I felt like I could help him. And, uh, you know, that's that's something I I try to tell uh, young, aspiring coaches that you don't want to beg for an opportunity. You want to sell how you can help that coaching staff. And, um, you know, Rick – he He did say, "You know, like you just said well if you if you decide to come down and and we can help you in any way, look us up <laughs> and yes, I said that's enough, you know, I was just looking for any little crack in the door, and um you know, at least I had that frame of reference if if I got down there, it wasn't working out you know i could I could go knock on the basketball offices and uh try to sell myself again and try to make something happen. that was enough for me,
0: i mean that's <laughs> That's a crazy story, Coach. To, from from there to here is, yeah. is a crazy story.
1: <laughs> no doubt, Division Three. I mean, Division Three with you know really no basketball contacts in in, in a you know big time uh, uh, frame of reference. Division One, NBA. I didn't know a single person, so you know and that that was part of the move. You know, um, you could be the best in the world as an inspiring young coach, but if you don't know the right people, you know the doors don't open. And um, you know, part of that was just uh, a learning from uh, someone like Rick Pitino and his staff, learning about that level. I had never been around a Division One program or, or anything like that. Um, and then also, you know, just trying to to earn some contra- uh, contacts.
0: And they're loaded. I mean, Kentucky's always loaded, but that '96 team was like capital L loaded with yes. talent.
1: Yes, and there were some teams that came after that that were as loaded, but at the time, it was probably the most talented basketball team in college, college basketball I'd ever seen. Wow. We had, we had nine NBA players on the team.
0: That's insane. Is Antoine Walker still on that team, or is he in the NBA by then?
1: He, he actually uh, – He might have been one came, year in. He came in my second year. Oh, okay. So he was, yeah, he was, he was on that team. I was there from 94 to 97. I think he came in 95.
0: Tuan's one of my all-time favorite NBA players. Anyway, that's a whole – my Antoine Walker thing is a whole different story. Um, you were studying biology, Coach, to be like – you were going to be pre-med at one point. So do, you have any, do you have any biology left in the – brain? has it been helpful in reading coronavirus articles? Do you have any biological information left in there? Cellular structures, anything like that?
1: Zero. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I have a four-year – I have a degree in, in biology. Um uh, I, I wanted to be a doctor, you know, I thought. And then when I did two years of pre-med, uh, when I first got to college, I was working round the clock to get to grades, and I was under a 3.0, and I knew I wasn't getting into med school. And I felt like I was giving it my all and uh, just wasn't as passionate about it uh, as it was with basketball. And, did you get to you organic know, chemistry? I got through uh, organic chemistry with a very low grade, but I did that's get through. That's, or, that's the killer. That's the one that – yeah, one and two, um, but the upper level classes, th- those are the ones that were just stupid hard, like incredibly, ridiculously hard. Histiology, um, you know, uh, I forget what, what all them were. Microbiology, um, physiology, like like all, all all those upper. The histology one, where where you're dissecting thousands and thousands of cells, like they all look the same to me. <laughs>
0: I just remember I dated a pre med student as an undergrad, and when she got to organic chemistry, I was like, "I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be around you for the next three or four months because this is a little this is a little much for me to handle." And I'm not even taking the class.
1: Yeah, that's that's the worst class that anybody could ever take. It's it, the models. It's impossible.
0: Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Who was the first phone call that you made after you guys won the title the other night? The first outgoing call. Who's your first call?
1: Man, um, well, I called my, my wife, uh, Jen, from the locker room. You know, she was at the game, she was up uh, across the way. Um, you know, not like on our side in the bubble, but uh where the media was. And uh so I called her and my daughters on FaceTime from the locker room right before uh, you know, the 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 champagne celebration, you know, that we had. And uh, you know, that was the first one. And I don't think I made an outgoing call again till I probably till I got home, you know, because they were there and you know, I just spent the moment with with them. So uh, that was the, that was the first outgoing.
0: They, but could they come to the to the celebration afterwards?
1: Yeah, they they didn't they they couldn't come down in the court or the locker room, or anything. But they could go uh, to the hotel again, not in the, the rooms in the hotel, but to the restaurant they had on the lake. Uh, so they allowed, they allowed them to go to the party, and um, I was able to see them for the first time. I got running hugs from my daughters. Uh, moment I'll never forget. Uh, got it on video, I think. I was trying to video as they were jumping on jumping on me and stuff. And yeah, uh, what a moment! Uh,
0: what's the first incoming call that you actually took? Because your phone just must be going absolutely bonkers. For it's probably still going bonkers. <laughs> but what's the one that you saw flash? was Like I, I actually got to take this one.
1: Well, well, George Hill Facetime me that night, like while I was at the party and everything, and I did not pick up. And uh, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't get any uh, incoming would uh, uh in incoming one John Calipari called me too uh, again when I was like I didn't even see that red ring uh, during the party and everything um but then George called me again. <laughs> he FaceTimed me again from Greece, I guess he's he's over in Greece, and he was like, yeah, but I knew that if you didn't pick up a second time like we were gonna be done." <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad I picked up. You wanted to congratulate me and uh, just talk, you know, talk about how happy he was for me. So that was the that was the second one.
0: And I talked. Have about you heard from Coach Patino really yet?
1: Right uh, over text. Yep. Okay. Yeah, over text. Super proud, and um, I've heard from just about everybody.
0: Um, I, I asked every coach that's come on after this moment this question, and I found it's it's there is usually a good answer to it. You're the party's going on. It's just your team and the loved ones, right? That everyone else is shut out of it, which is the way it should be. And people are all going around the room, milling around, talking to each other. Um, and there's—I just wonder—is there a conversation that you had that you're going to take? I mean, obviously there are a lot of them, but is was there one that maybe it surprised you—the depth of it, or something that someone said to you, whether it's a player, a coach, or genie or whoever—that that you are going to take with you for a long time is like a real flashbulb memory of that night.
1: You know, um, obviously like you said, there's, you know, you, there's a lot of conversations like that. I think um, the one that comes to mind most is, is with Rajan Rondo, you know, and uh, we both just sort of reflected back um, on the first phone call uh, that, that we made after Kawhi signed with the Clippers. And it was like, okay, now, Okay, we got all this cap space saved for him. Now we got to go use it and fill out the rest of our roster. We put together the rest of our roster in about three hours, and um, you know, a lot of that that day was about um, me getting on the phone with Demarcus Cousins and with Rajon Rondo and with Danny Green and you know, guys like that and Javale McGee and and just making sure they felt good about their role of what they were they were coming. You know, they they obviously. Um, you know, wanted to be here. They wanted to play with LeBron and have this opportunity with, with AD, but they wanted to make sure it it looked and felt right. And, um, you know, I told him at that point that there's, there's maybe no coach in, in, in the NBA. That's a bigger fan of Rajon Rondo than I am. And, um, so he just, uh, he took a moment, uh, to just, you know, thank me for believing in him. And, um, when that to me that's like one of the the best moments as a coach is when when you show confidence or belief in someone um and kcp and i had a similar conversation you know because he was he was being highly criticized early in the season um when you show confidence and belief in someone and they reward you with great play and it, it ends up in this situation leading to a championship uh that's just special and uh something i'll never forget and that's You know, above all else, like that's what you do this job for, you know, for for those types of moments.
0: Speaking of stuff you'll never forget. um, What do you what are you what are the memories you'll always take from you from what has to be the most bizarre road trip in the history of the NBA, which is the Lakers and the Nets preseason trip to China? I was reading back on that and um, you guys actually had one practice where you, I think you were hustled off to court really quickly, right? So, and then you're in the meeting. I think when Adam Silver and LeBron go back and forth a little bit. So, like, and then of course the banners are coming down. The whole geo, you're in the middle of a geopolitical, not scandal, but something. So maybe it's the practice. Maybe it's Conflict. that meeting. What, what, what do you, what do you remember from that? What, what do you take with you?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, I remember feeling self uh, cautiously safe, but a little bit afraid. Uh, because, you know, obviously in a, in a communist country, if, if you're on the outs with the government, um, they don't have to let you leave, you know, and <laughs> like, I didn't think it would go in that direction, but you're, none of us really knew. And there was like, everybody had stories about a Nike trip or whatever. And, you know, when they, people didn't do something the wrong way, they just hold your flight for six hours and, and they're telling you, you're not going to be able to leave the country and. You know the NBA. Uh, you know through Daryl Morey's his tweet, um, and then the not the support of the message from Adam Silver, but the support of freedom of speech, which is what our country is all about, really put Adam Silver and the whole NBA. Uh, you know, on the outs with the with the Chinese government. So um, you know, we felt like we were enemies of the state, and you know, in in some ways you know, that, that it could go in a, in a really bad direction. So, um, you know, just that, that overall feeling of like, would we be able to leave was, was, um, you know, prevalent throughout the whole thing. And then, you know, the, the one thing that sticks out to me is, uh, the moment my players kind of went to bat for me because the the league was like, we got to do something about the media, like all all the Chinese media and, and even the American media was over there. Like they wanted to hear from us, like what was going on? You know, there was no statements. There was no, like, are they going to make the players available? Is this coach is the going to be available as, um, you know, who's going to talk to the media. And at one point the NBA said, let's just, let's just take it off the player's plate. Let the coaches go out and and answer uh, the, the, those questions. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of risk there. If you say the wrong thing, you know, when, when you're in, in that type of situation, uh, it could go uh, the wrong direction. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was a a point where I stood up and it's like, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, just, uh, navigating through this, you know, and, and, uh, being a leader for our, our whole group that was over there and Kenny Atkinson was, uh, was on board as well. And, uh, our players were like, no, we're not, we're not letting you do that. We're not, we're not going to let the league throw you to the fire. And, um, you know, so we appreciate it coach, but no, that's not happening. (laughs) So, um, you know, that was a, a great showing of support from my my guys and um, something I always appreciate.
0: Then in the bubble, the Bucks initiate a strike um, for completely righteous and just reasons. And there's a, a meeting that night where essentially everybody's there. And as a reporter who's not there, I'm texting and calling and you're trying to navigate this weird feeling inside yourself, which is, you are, um, uh, like me personally, like I'm. The issues that they are protesting are issues of such fundamental human rights that they they way supersede anything the 2020 NBA season is about. On the other hand, I have a job, and part of my job is like: Is the 2020 NBA season going to continue? That's a, that's an immediate storyline. Right. Right. And then the tweets come out that. The Lakers and the Clippers have voted to stop the season, which I think maybe those were a little bit um, hyperbolic. But was there ever a moment where you thought hey, we really might, we really might just go home? Like my this this chance we have to win a title, it, it for reasons that are again way bigger than basketball, way bigger than me, way bigger than Frank Vogel, whatever. Like it, it may be, it may be going.
1: Yeah, for three days we were unsure. You know, um, I know our group always had the intent to, uh, to finish this thing, finish this out. And, um, you know, obviously we had a, a couple guys that, um, you know, were heavier hearted on this, the social justice issues. Um, so, you know, while that, all that was going on, you know, I thought there was, you know, there was a potential for us to not finish, but, you know, I just knew where our particular team and our leadership was that, you know, there was, a there was a a desire to finish. So I always felt like it would get done when that report came out that the Clippers quote unquote, the Clippers and Lakers voted to not finish the season. I was shocked. I was floored. I didn't really understand it. Um, You know, we met with uh, some of our guys to get their perspective and it was really just like an unofficial poll of like, how are you feeling in the moment? You know what I mean? And um, you know, I think uh, you know, some more conversations continued to happen and it, it became clear that, yeah, you know, we we're all uh, interested in, in staying to play
0: for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Grainger dot com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's gift finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 bucks and under to a hundred bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's macy's.com slash giftfinder. Let's wrap with some fun questions. Um, okay. <laughs> um, the Denver shot game two, Anthony Davis three-pointer, LeBron is the screener had you used that play before and what's the, what's like option a what's the first shot <laughs> you're looking for on that play
1: option a is uh, for LeBron to break open for a catch and shoot and um option b is the other three guys have freedom to uh to break to the ball without rules you know what I mean and uh that makes it hard for the defense to, to scout or to, to tell what's coming next and um You know, I think we had a guy cutting to the basket and uh, obviously A.D., you know, broke open to the wing. Um, He got himself open. Rajon made a great read. You know, Rajon's the passer we use uh, in in a lot of those uh, catch and shoot situations because he can put it on the money and he knows who to go to. And uh, I I believe he made eye contact with A.D. like, you know, you're going to be you're going to be the one that's going to be open. You know what I mean? So I think Rajon deserves as much credit for that shot as Anthony does knocking it down. And, um, what a moment in Lakers history. Had you used it before the play? Well, we run that play throughout, throughout all games. Games.
0: Yeah. 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 It's not just the end of, it's not just the end of game or end of quarter play. Correct. Yep. Um, is, is there any time for you to get your way into space jam 2 is it is it i know it's in the can is there any way to like go back and edit yourself in is there any hope for this
1: nope i don't <laughs> I'm not asked I'm not really interested um you know if I was asked you know I would do whatever they wanted but uh you know i'm not I'm not trying to pursue that at all
0: well try coach it's Space Jam 2
1: <laughs> Well basketball coach
0: okay fine. Um, uh, I, I was texting with a couple of your players yesterday and one of them who shall remain nameless said, ask coach about somehow using the late nineties, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence comedy life, which I have not seen as part of like a film session or a game planning tool. So now I got to see this movie and I, I, what is the connect? How did you possibly connect this to an NBA game?
1: Okay, so uh, I'll try to keep this as a short story. First of all, I didn't see the movie either. <laughs> I've not seen this movie, but my former assistant coach Popeye Jones, every time he would see someone that one of our video guys dressed up, you know, he, he would he would say, "Where where you think you're going? Like where the hell you think you're going?" And I'm like, "Where do you keep? what is that from? You know, <laughs> it was just from the Eddie Murphy movie Life. You know, it's from that movie. So from a basketball standpoint, every time you know, we always have we try to have like little fun phrases for executing principles on the floor so uh to me every time somebody contained the basketball like a driver is trying to get by you to his right and you contain him and he tries to get by you to his left and you contain him and he just can't get by you so like for some reason Popeye's voice kept popping into my head saying where the hell you think you're going you know what I mean so I wanted our, our containment defenders to have that mindset that you know every time somebody's trying to drive past you like you just gotta look at them. where do you where do you think you're going. <laughs> so we uh, we started splicing that into our positive defensive tapes.
0: Love it, love <laughs> it. Now, I, I don't know what the movie's about, but I, now I want to see it. Um, uh, and uh, old school was involved at some point too, which is a movie I have seen. It is a little more recent than than life. Uh, old school's got a lot of iconic comedy scenes. Tell me which one is in there.
1: Yeah, and it, it was during the finals we used that, which is, you know, you don't really think you're going to be using levity in your film sessions uh, during the finals. But um, everybody thinks the most, you know, the, the best scene in, in old school is is either the, the Frank the Tank scene or or the streaking scene, but they're wrong. The best scene in that movie is the dart scene. You remember the dart scene? That is a great scene. <laughs> Where he shoots a tranquilizer dart in his neck, and <laughs> stippler is yes. in there from American Pie. Yes. And – um yeah so like our bench was so nuts throughout the whole playoff run like the celebrations the jumping out on the court they're doing the goggles like the reps every game telling me like these guys got to get back on the bench Like this is out of control so um you know there was a little dust up and i wanted to sell the, the message that um you know you could get suspended you know if there's an altercation you guys are out there like you guys you guys are crazy i like that but let's you know let's make sure you guys are back so you know, that's the scene that came to my mind when when Will Ferrell's got a dart in his neck and he's looking at the other guy who's, man, I like you, but you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, this is my message to you guys. I love the energy, I love you guys, but you're crazy, and you need to you need to kind of get it under control.
0: I love it. I, I, that, that that is a great scene. They do that 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 scene is filmed very well. The slow mo, and then he falls into the pool. And what song is playing when he falls into the pool? Uh, whatever the "Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend" song is playing, when he falls into the pool, um, right? Um, I love it. Uh, all right, Coach, and I also heard rap lyrics, ludicrous lyrics. Is this is this true?
1: Yeah, that's B Shaw brought that to my my system in in Indiana because you know with post spacing, like as the cutter goes, like the next man has to be on the wheel, like you're all connected, you know. So he's you know he used to, he used to say. Hey, this is this house post spacing is when you break to the wing, the next guy's got to break too. It's like the ludicrous song. When I move, you move just like that. So, so that's, that's what we said. Like, okay, this guy broke to, you know, this guy cut to the basket. So when he moves, you move. And every time I'd say that, I'd be like, just like that.
0: <laughs> Great stuff, yeah. coach. Uh, last question, last question. Um, we can't celebrate things normally right now, obviously. Um, do you have any plans to celebrate this? Like, I don't know if you can have some friends come over to your house, like uh, have a little socially distanced beer or something. Is there is there any is there any or maybe you have a some sort of secluded vacation plan for your family? Is there anything you can do to sort of mark this moment that would be special to you?
1: We're trying to figure that out. Um, you know, I think uh, trying to get on uh, maybe some Zoom calls, you know, like we did over the hiatus, what they call the Zoom happy hour type of type yeah. of deals. You know, uh, I think there's going to be a, an opportunity to connect with some of my friends back in Boston, back in Florida, back in Indiana, family members from Jersey. You know, just doing some things like that. We're having some drinks uh, over Zoom. Unfortunately, best we well, can do. Make the best of it, right?
0: Make the best of it. Well, that's that's what you've done your whole career. You know, I remember when you. when Jim O'Brien got fired and you got promoted. There was this collective sense of like, wait, who? Like what? That Frank? Who? <laughs> and, and you just rolled with it, and you keep rolling with it. And this is super well deserved. And it's 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 nothing but hard work and humanity, uh, and obviously um, great talent on your team is it, that's yes. that's a prerequisite to winning the championship, no matter who the coach is. Um, but I, I just I'm thrilled for you, and it's well deserved. And just thank you for coming on and giving us a little time and perspective on what this one of a kind season has been like for you.
1: Happy to do it, Zach, and uh, I really appreciate all your support over the years, man. Appreciate it.
0: Coach, have a great summer. Get some family time, and uh, we will talk to you whenever, whenever. I don't know. We'll talk to you at some point. Thanks, Coach.
1: Look forward to it. Take care.